Attention! Welcome to the Film Mages Podcast, where the popcorn is our ammunition, the couch is our foxhole, and the cinema is our place of worship. Now let me see your war face! Anyways, I, I said, you know, well, after that happens, wash your eyes out, and then it won't sting. So, he didn't listen. He, you know, but I won't yuck his yum. Zach never recording? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Film Majors. Oh. Hello. Hello. Hi, it's hi, me, hi. Zach. Hi, it's Mick. It's a me, Alexis. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Is that Jared Leto? <laughs> no, it's actually Alexis. You know, a chocolate and a shit look very similar, but the taste is very different. Have you both seen House of Gucci? Of course I've seen. Oh, I've seen House I of have. Gucci twice. Really? Yeah, I kind of like okay. House of Gucci. Really? Yeah. Okay, I haven't seen it. I ca- you should watch it. It's pretty I fun. I love Lady I mean, Gaga. it has my She's Lady good in Gaga it. in it, it, yeah, it has so Adam, I'm like sold, has and Driver. it has my, my boy, bus driver. It has your thick king. Does it have my your boy in it? Hands. Shut the fuck up. Stop. <laughs> Your whole bit that Ed Helms is my guy. That's this should be a New Year's resolution. It's to stop fucking slandering me this way. I have Zach, no strong Zach, feelings Zach, on Ed Helms. Okay, look, I, I know you're upset. Okay. God. First of all, when it comes to Ed Helms, can I ask you what's going on? Wow. Fucking son of a bitch! You stole I'm exactly like, what I was gonna do. How long has it been do. since I've had a what's going on? That's crazy. You know, Alexis, you got to be hungry been, for it. Yeah, you gotta. Well, it, it's been. True. I think since mine, I haven't had one in a long time. You, I don't do it anymore. Like I'm retired from what's going on. Well, I just you know, let it happen. Mick, fair, new though, year, new I don't year. Like, comparing dick lengths, I guess I just don't feel the need to like prove my manhood. You know, because like, Whoa. you know, it's well, see, I can't. No, no, no. I see. I can't engage in the whole dick measuring thing. It's too stumpy. It's got no grip. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, has anyone seen any films lately? I sure have. Are you have, buddy? Yeah. I sure oh. have. <laughs> okay. What have we seen? What have we seen? Oh, uh, uh, is this? yeah. Okay. Should should I to start off? I last night I did go and rewatch Godzilla. The oh. 2014 one? No, Godzilla minus one. But why would I minus watch the 2014 one? Yeah. one? Oh, I've she's... seen no other Godzilla movies. Because it's directed by it's directed by the guy who it's, it's directed, directed by, by the guy who made the movie we're talking about today. Yeah. Oh well, I, uh, why would I know that? <laughs> <laughs> Because of Google. Because of doing your research. Or IMDb or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, but it's okay. Well, considering that I just watched the movie that we're talking about, like, today, I would say <laughs> that there's been a I lot mean, less research happening on my end, personally. That's okay. That's okay. I think we'll have it covered. I think we did... We d- we did a marginal amount of work for this one, yeah, so yeah. you went and rewatched Godzilla minus one. Yeah. I did. I went and rewatched Godzilla minus one uh, with my nephew. How was and it? We on literally, a like walked out of that theater, and he was like, "God." The the line where he's like, where she's like, "Is your war finally over?" And he was like, "That shit hit me hella hard." And I was like, "I know, I know it did." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I <sighs> I have good news. Ah, good yes, news! I watched Godzilla minus one. Oh fuck yeah! Yes, I, I did. I saw it on the big screen. Yes, I yeah, and I have to say, wow, 
as Owen Wilson famously said, wow, really, really, really wow. good. I loved it. I, I think I should rewatch it now that I'm like, I've seen it. Yeah. I'm outside of like everyone levitating with praise. Right. Which, you know, as I previously stated, which left has me, not ceased. Apparently. Left me a little disappointed. But, <clears throat> you know, now that I've seen the movie and I can kind of judge it on its merits, I might go see it again, honestly, because I did it, enjoy it. OK, I have a question. Um, this is relevant, I promise. What is AMC? We're not sponsored, by the way. What is AMC Prime? I have no fucking clue. Because I saw Godzilla Minus. I, that's what, uh, for those of you who have not listened to the last couple of episodes, I've been in England for a while, Boy, and I... a lot of the movies released in America are really delayed in that country, so they don't come out for like a couple months later. So I did not see Godzilla Minus One, and I wanted to see it really badly before it leaves theaters, because I knew that if I saw it at home, I would probably like it, but would really be angry that I didn't see it in a theater. So I saw it on AMC Prime, but I don't know what that means. But it was good. What is AMC Prime? If you have you have Dolby Digital, you have IMAX. Oh, it's like a format. Yes. And I think, and listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's just they have nicer seats. Maybe. I think so. I don't know. But anyways, uh -huh. I saw it on Prime, AMC Prime, not Amazon Prime. And huge screen. The sound was amazing. The music, which I know harkens back to the original. Yeah. Insanely yeah, good. The yeah, music is dude. so good. Well, guys, I also have great news. What? Yes. Guess what I watched. What? what did you see? Nancy Myers. It's complicated. Oh, incredible work. Alec Baldwin and my nice. girl. Alec what? Baldwin and Meryl Streep. And Steve Martin. Steve That's Martin. Right. Uh, That's right. That's right. I'm having... We'll insert the applause. I don't think yeah. I've seen that since <laughs> it came out in theaters. I'm having some trouble. Um, it makes me feel dreary. Because I think I'm starting that. to maybe... I think I'm starting to maybe become like a Nancy Myers stan a little. Who's Nancy Myers? Wow, uh, she directed work. The Holiday. The, she, she was like... I would say if uh, Nora Ephron is the queen of the rom-com, Nancy Myers is maybe the, the duchess. Uh, ah, true. She's made a okay. lot of rom-coms. Uh, she made Something's Gotta Give. Okay. Uh, she makes movies about rich white people. Right. Uh, who I are do usually love Something's Gotta old. Give, though. Right. I've never seen that. But the that ones I one have seen are... was one of our family's favorites, like, for... Or at least my dad's for, like, a long time. Okay. Well, I've seen The Holiday, which I'm not a big fan of, but then I've right. seen The Parent yeah. Trap, which I surprisingly enjoyed. Don't know if I've seen that. Uh, two Lindsay Lohans. Oh. It's her as a child. Yeah, no. It's like, listen, that's how I felt going in. That's, you missed that, out I'm not saying that I, like, I think that sounds bad. It's just, no, I said I never saw that. Yeah. Well, then I watched It's Complicated, uh... Which was is it, in fact, a complicated film? N no, uh, I would argue that... So so she's a liar. <laughs> Whoa. I would argue that almost nothing happens in It's Complicated yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, but you liked it, right? It's largely about uh, Meryl Streep renovating her beautiful kitchen. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm Incredible. not proud to say... You liked it. ...that I liked I this film. I could see it, yeah. But I did, and I'm... Even less proud to say that a big part of why I did is because of Alec Baldwin. Yes. Well, he's great. As, a, as an actor. Yeah. And we'll leave it at that. Yeah. 
Um, He's a lousy shot, but great actor. Oh my god. Um, My parents love It's Complicated. Cancelled. They're a big fan of that film. Uh, Yeah, it's a movie that uh, you will definitely like if you're a a middle-aged wine mom. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I watched it. Uh, I did not enjoy the bit where uh, Alec Baldwin leans into uh, Meryl Streep's crotch and goes, home sweet home, Um, which is a thing that happens. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, you don't remember when he talks really? into her cooch and it's like, I'm telling you, did, when did this movie come out? 2008? 2009. Okay, yeah. yeah I, I oh, think nine. I saw this in theaters, and so it's it's been, um, what is that, like 14, 15 years almost? Fuck, yeah, 15 years. 15 Considering years. that uh, not much happens in it, I the can't recall the crotch moment. Maybe that was purposeful. Maybe my subconscious was trying to protect me from that. <laughs> you memory. blocked that right out. Do you, you remember the bit right where Meryl Streep says, I like a lot of semen? trauma of that yeah. time period. Um, For sure, no doubt. Uh, anyways, so yeah, I watched It's Complicated. Nice. Great. Cool. I finally saw my... One of my most anticipated films of 2023 and was omitted from my list, sadly, which is Yorgos Lanthimos, Sis, Sis is. Good. Uh, poor things. Woo. How'd you feel? Um, that movie is exceptional. That is a really good film. I, I have not released my uh, review yet on Letterboxd. But, but you're releasing your review now. But I'm releasing on it the now. Filmmakers. It's live. Uh, wow, it's an recorded exclusive. Ahead of time. And... Uh, this is an exclusive take. Well, <laughs> and I have to say, certain films announce themselves as being exceptional within the first twenty-four frames, and that's how I felt about Poor Things. the The shot behind uh, was Victoria, the, the 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 previous persona of Bella. Oh, uh, yeah, I think, I think her name might have been Victoria. The the shot behind her where she's on the bridge and it's a shot of her in this beautiful silk blue dress with the blue sky behind her and her black hair just cascading in the wind. I immediately knew, Ooh, okay. We're this in is for a, something this here. This is a serious piece of cinema. Yeah. And uh, it is hilarious. It is profound. I love, not only was it a fantastic examination of, of womanhood and innocence uh, in a uh, polite society aka a uh, male dominated society but it's definitely a scathing critique of uh the masculine craving for possession and ownership and how really you know uh bella having the mind of a child you would think would be the least intelligent person in the film and it's quite the opposite because her innocence and trying to learn of the world and it's very weird way of operating makes everyone else look to be like a fucking moron. Yeah. Uh, because she makes great points. Leads her to communism. Uh, if a, <laughs> again, I'll put my review, but um, if a movie could be autistic, it would be poor things. Okay. Because it's because uh, stick with, the okay, person I'm I saw this with, with has autism and loved the film and said that movie operates how my brain works. Which is like, that's an extremely autistic film. You know what else I've heard that about? Hmm. I think you should leave. 
I've oh, heard that that is like yeah. a great piece of comedy for autistic people. Yes. Because it's largely about the weirdness of like right. social cues and like right. social constraints. Yes, exactly. Um, Where it doesn't, it actually doesn't make sense when you really think about it. Yeah. And they're just trying to like, wait, why are you upset that I went whoring? I made money and I wanted <laughs> yeah, to. I, I helped us. I, I was okay with it. Why are you upset? You're an interesting man. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is, uh, uh, I thought it was fantastic. I think it has, if I had to really think about it hard, I think it has the best screenplay of the year. It, like, I was combing through the, the dialogue online afterwards, and it's like every single line of dialogue is immensely quotable. Yeah. It's so oh, yeah. well written. And honestly... We know uh, my feelings on the best screenplay of the year. Yes. But Poor Things is fucking exceptional. Yes. Uh, Dr. Godwin Baxter's uh, uh, bubble belches are <laughs> worth the, oh, well. the price of admission alone. So funny. that I was giggling so much that I actually snorted really loud in the theater when everyone else stopped laughing and then people started laughing at my snort. Dude, <laughs> so it was Mark Ruffalo, though. Um, my king. Mark Ruffalo was really good. He was really, really good. It's great seeing him uh, not play a depressed dad, which yeah. is great yeah. because I uh, I worked with him this this past year and mm, he played a brag. he played a depressed dad in it, <laughs> and it felt like a subtle dig at that project. Which between you and me and our many listeners, is, I don't think it's going to amount to much. Um, so it made me happy. You had a bad time with that. I had a bad time with that project. Not with Mark. He's a fantastic, fantastic, very talented person, very sweet, very generous. And I'm so happy to see him getting accolades and to see him fucking spread his wings and get something that is he could really sink his teeth into because he nailed it. He's a cad. He's a rake. And He's I a loved, scoundrel. I, love I loved the, I the furious jumping. The furious love, jumping was great. I love when he tries to tell her like how to act and then she just like slaps him across the face and for a second he's like offended and then he's deeply aroused like clearly deeply aroused even yes. though he doesn't say it and I'm just like <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, his his delivery of um ow. <laughs> yeah. Really good. It's it's really Really, really good. And I agree with you, Zach, in our last episode, nothing looks like this. Yeah. It is so, yeah. oh my God, it's, it's, a, it's such a piece. Um, and again, it's, it's rated R and it deserves that rating. It earns it. It earns it. Um, it I, I love how, honestly, one of my favorite things about Poor Things is the last thing I'll say, we can wrap this up, but uh, I've been reading a lot of reviews of people that were alienated by the film. Good. And you, you, you can literally draw a line in it the people that thought this was trash and was overhyped and just another fucking art film was people that were complaining about how it's basically pornography. <laughs> so really the people that have a problem with the, like just the excessive sexual content of it. Dorks. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they, I just find that interesting. Like that kind of like intellectual divide of the people that, uh, you know, separate the men from the boys. You know what? <laughs> you know what? Okay. You know what I've realized? What? I think that for the most part, I am fine with sex on the screen, but for some reason I always get like kind of, I don't know, like a little, like I get the heebie-jeebies when I have to sit around other people while people are masturbating in front of me, like on the screen. 
<laughs> just like oh on the screen i okay okay for a second i was <laughs> like not oh, where i thought that was <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it's like sounds like someone's been on the new york city subway system <laughs> sounds like someone just saw a movie with paul rubens oh, oh God. yeah no he did nothing uh, wrong that yeah, i think that's the only time is like like i love the voyeurism of like different things like saltburn definitely has that like voyeuristic like pleasure in my brain but sometimes when i have to yeah. watch somebody like masturbating on screen i'm just like mm, we're all just gonna sit in silence for this i love okay great i love it i'm here for this <laughs> so uh, but here's the difference alexis i know uh, we talked about it in the last episode and you said like it, it didn't not it didn't make your top 10 because of the sexual content but you did comment on how like it has a lot of it yeah and uh you know that is something that you maybe didn't love being subjected to as it happened to you in the cinema. But here's the difference between you and the dorks, as Zach points out. On Letterboxd, you gave it four and a half stars. Oh, yeah. In other words, you appreciate and can see that this is a fantastic piece of work and that yeah. it's very good. These people I'm talking about are giving it like two stars, one and a half. Oh, dorks, I mean, like, I'm, like not, I'm not F, drawing any parallels between me and the people. I was just like mentioning that people masturbating on screen for some reason well, i don't know if, that if, for some reason that doesn't audience check members the box were. for me <laughs> yeah <laughs> um uh, let's see what i saw oh sorry go ahead nor uh there's like a short film on netflix <laughs> called if anything happens to me i love you have you guys seen that no, it's Nor. literally 12 minutes and uh, three minutes into it. I just started sobbing and didn't stop until it finished, which is like nine minutes of crying. Mm. What the fuck? Wow. It's going to be the title of my autobiography. Nice. <laughs> yeah, nice. Nine minutes of crying. <laughs> yep. Nice. Sob to the end. Um, yeah. It's on YouTube. No, really, really fucking good. Uh, Netflix. Though. Netflix. I think it. I okay. think it was one of the Oscar-nominated short shorts, or maybe it won or something. Oh. But yeah, it's really oh, fucking sad. Dope. It's about like, it's the it's like parents kind of grieving over a child that they lost to uh, gun violence in school. Oh, wow. Jesus Christ, Alexis. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yikes. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, um, well, it's out. Check it out, folks. It's only twelve minutes of your time. Yeah, I did Anything also see Scrapper. Nice. Which was a 2023 movie involving my boy Harris. Is it Dickinson or Dixon? Yeah, Dickinson. Yeah, from the Iron Claw. He was in some indie movie last year called Scrapper, um, where he literally kind of looks like Eminem, but not in the way that like Coriolanus Snow looked like Eminem at the end of The Hunger Games. Oh my God. Oh my God. We can't. We simply can't. We can't do this again. I didn't know. I Um, actually, I was like, I was like, interestingly (laughs) enough, not into that. So strange that I am the other way. It's so weird. You know, I just don't, even I don't understand the way my brain works, but the movie was good. A question for you, Alexis. Yeah. Uh, in this film with Har- Harris Dickinson, is he evil in this film? No, he's just a... a... And I think I've found our missing link. <laughs> I think we found the missing ingredient for yep. Alexis to get horny. That was a live diagnosis. Uh, you know, I get paid by the hour. Wow, <laughs> um, 
I, uh, listeners, you can't see this because we're on webcam, but she's really thinking. Like, she's looking up into the <laughs> She looks like that, that figure of, uh, what is it? Uh, the puzzler. The puzzler, yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You know, I'm going to She's thinking, she's kind of, you're, you're, you're right. She knows you're right. Revelation <laughs> for a different time. Put it on the table. That's right. Um, Give it a yeah, slap. But the movie was cute. It was basically, so this little girl, like her, clearly like her mom has died and she's managed, she's like, gotta be like, t like between like 10 to 12. And she's managed to like somehow uh, make it on her own for I don't know weeks or maybe a month or something and she's like calling into social services for herself like she's very resourceful and then her dad that she's never really met before shows up out of nowhere and is like I'm gonna help take care of you and she's like no fuck you um but she's saying it like the UK like no nah, that's 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 not gonna be that's not gonna work for me like you know i don't even know i'm gonna fuck that up but whatever anyways no no do it do it no do it. no no mick actually you've just been there mick you do it for me <laughs> huh i completely mick zoned, zoned the fuck the out I'm mick so sorry. zoned the fuck out he mick wasn't here i just watched the fear in his eyes <laughs> He looked so scared. That was when like his that moment in class said. when, like, you zone out, and then the teacher suddenly calls on you to like answer the question. You're like, "Wait, what? Sorry." Yeah, algebra. That's yes, exactly what happened right now. Doesn't matter. Anyways, Wait, they're from the UK. What was it? No, 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 no. What was it? Uh, so oh, I was England. Just, yes, I was in England. Yeah, England. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You're, you're saying, fucking cut you just off. Alexis, there, what were you saying? You can do the accent for me that's like, I don't know, just like the oh. slang kind of, you know, like, in it, like, fuck. No, I, I don't want to do it because I'm going to fuck it up really bad. Oh, yeah, fuck so, it, in it. Oh, yeah. Come yeah. on now, that. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I know that accent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. want to do it or not? not really. This has been, been such a no, goddamn been waste. Up. It's been you played up so much. It's been a goddamn waste, and you it, wasted possibly. it. Oh Anyways, boy. Um, um, he was he was good though. The little girl was really good, and it was a cute movie. And they did some. The director definitely, like, uh, I don't know. I liked what she what she did with. Um, like kind of taking you out of the story every once in a while to get like people in the neighborhood's opinions on this little girl who was, you know, being resourceful enough to like make things on her own, but she's fucking stealing bikes and shit like that, you know? And so they're just like, well, you mm. know, Georgie, mm. Georgie's a good, good girl, but you know, she, she a bit of a brat, ain't she? You know, something like that, you know? And like, it's, it was just cute. Like all these different oh, yeah, people. She's a bit like, of a brat though, isn't it? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Anyways, good. moving on, good. it was a good movie, um, and then I also saw Good Grief, <laughs> which was Dan Levy's uh, directorial debut, and it was cute. Oh, how I, was that? I actually, nice. I actually quite liked it. I think it might be like, I mean, like, it's a little, it's a little bland in parts, but it, it there's parts of it that look very pretty, like when they go to this one museum and you see like some of, I think it's like Monet's work, you know, when his child and his wife had passed and he did these like wall to wall paintings. It was very, very pretty. Um, and some of the themes that Dan wrote, cause he both directed and wrote the script. Um, some of the things that he had to say about grief were like really touching and I guess profound in a way. I don't know. Like I, I really felt them like in my heart, it kind of reminded me of like, 
Call Me By Your Name, where the dad talks about how, you know, we try to make ourselves numb to like not hurt anymore, you know, and it was kind of like kind of talking about that, but like in a different way. And uh, I thought it was sweet. I cried a little and I liked it. And uh, it's a, you know, it's a a gay man loses his husband on like New Year's or something and then kind of is like reckoning with that and story goes on from there. Um, but I liked it. So those were all the movies that I nice. watched actually. Cool. A uh, couple other things I watched. I'm not going to get into them too much, but uh, I watched Stranger and Stranger Than Fiction, which is a 2006. Oh, Will Ferrell. Maggie yeah, Gyllenhaal. Will Ferrell rom-com. Yeah, I, I didn't love it. I thought it was okay. Uh, mm-hmm. And then that was that weird period where Will Ferrell was trying to take himself seriously and it didn't work. Yeah, I don't think he's terrible in the movie, but I did find myself uh, thinking that I would have liked that movie more if, if it was it starred, uh Well, yeah, or if it starred John C. Riley. Um, yes. Not to mm-hmm. not to pit two queens against each other, but uh, interesting. Yeah, you know, John C. Riley just has the juice. Um, interesting. And mm-hmm. then I watched uh, the original Tron, um, which I did not like very much. I found it to be uh, kind of like watching a uh, like Windows ninety eight screensaver. Oh, um, yeah. I understand that it's like technically very impressive, um, but it's not very impressive. But in terms of like an enjoyable viewing experience, I, I just found it dull. That's like maybe the first movie where I was like, I don't know about this Jeff Bridges performance, which is a crazy thing to think yeah. because Jeff Bridges is I've fucking never, always good. I've never heard that sentence before. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I, uh, I don't know. It just, I think by virtue of it being such a like technically innovative film, uh, the actors kind of feel like they don't know what they're doing in this like space, which is probably exactly right. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I'm glad to have seen it, yeah. uh, but I'm I'm gonna be a Tron Legacy boy from yeah from I now until I mean, it has Daft Punk. So why for that wouldn't film. you be a Tron Legacy boy? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Score goes fucking crazy. Exactly. Yeah. No, I like. I don't think Tron Legacy is a great movie, but yeah, same as you, Mick. I have like a yeah. I th- I think it's that I I saw it when I was like twelve. Yeah. Uh, and it just it hit at the perfect time. Yeah. Um, Technically, and it is it is a beautiful good. movie. Yes. Um, so this is uh, the point in the film majors <clears throat> where we tell you to watch Joseph Kaczynski's Tron Legacy. Yet again. Once again. Every, every episode we did Every that. episode we're harping on it, and you just won't fucking listen. Um, uh, we should step out of what's going on very quickly, but two more films really quickly. I rattle them off. Uh, I saw two more 20, 2023 releases. I saw Theater Camp, uh, which was good, not great. All of the jokes. If you've seen the trailer, you've seen all the jokes. Yeah. Uh, but, mm. you know, had some heart. Good ending. I like the finale, that damn finale. Let's get more movies with Jimmy Totoro. He's so good. Yes. He's very good in that film. Uh, and then I also saw um, this movie called The Trouble with Jessica, uh, which is kind of like a kitchen sink comedy type thing about uh, a story where two unhappily married couples invite a mutual single friend. And this is not a spoiler because it happens in like the first 10 minutes of the movie that mutual single friend uh, commits suicide at the dinner party. And uh, it harshes the vibe of the night. Yeah. Sounds like it. And then they need to figure out how to get rid of the body. Uh, But Alan Tudyk 
plays a leading part in that film. And that it's, man's got two dicks? It's pretty funny. It's pretty good. It wow. kind of, the first act is the best, and then it just kind of goes away. But uh, yeah, so I, was, I actually watch movies, and I'm proud of that. Good job. Proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Shall Alexis, we, uh, any, yeah. a- anything, anything else? Oh, I opened my new play, and uh, I just want to say it must be good because the play is almost three hours, and people do not leave at intermission. Oh, intermission, so. Fuck yeah! Let's wow. go. Well, and it's okay, Fresno, Alexis, so like you know, on. not every like people are not like you know like a hardcore into the arts or anything. So like it has to be decent, right? <laughs> the cultural hotbed of California, Fresno. <laughs> Let's hop out of what's going on. All right. Well, it's our year in review month. That's right. And we're just going to jump right into our... Thank you for the enthusiasm. That was good. That was great. Thank you, person in the back. Um, (laughs) We're going to jump into our first big topic. Yes, that's right. Uh, This isn't... Excuse me. This isn't really a a question, but I just want to talk about AI in film. Uh, What are some movies that we think portray it really well. What are some movies that we think don't? How do we feel about AI in film? What are some movies that have AI that are some of our favorites? Um, if you guys have, uh, have any answers to rattle off, go for it. Cause I have some thoughts. Uh, yeah. So I think something that I like when a movie about AI deals with is, um, when you kind of are, asking questions in a legitimately ambiguous way about whether an AI has personhood or not. Mm. Um, I think that a couple of movies that do that really well are um, Alex Garland's Ex Machina. Ooh, good. Cho- I forgot about that. Yeah. That's a good And uh, Steven Spielberg's aptly titled AI Artificial Intelligence. Um, uh, okay. So... I think that both of those movies do a really good job depicting AI that has enough like personality and, you know, um, I guess independence where you start to be like, okay, well, this is, uh, you know, uh, a person. This is a, this is a thing with, uh, independent will, and thought and feelings and emotion. But you also do get those questions of like, if we program something to feel emotion and we do it so effectively that it can convince a person that it's emotional, Mm. is it actually emotional or is it just working to... Like, that's the thing that I... Not to fucking spoil Ex Machina, but fuck it, we're here. Um, That's the thing that I really love about that movie is, like, the question of, like, was Ava just programmed to convince uh, the person testing her that she has personhood? Yeah, yeah. Or does she legitimately have personhood? Because she, she does take actions at the film, at the end of the film, that might lead you to believe that she has personhood and agency, Mm -hmm. but also, like, could be her going above and beyond to fulfill her programming. And I think 
uh, AI is a similar movie, but I think I think Ex Machina leans more on the side of she's a person. Mm-hmm. And I sneakily think that AI maybe leans more on the side of this is all programming. I still need to see Because that. it's a movie where it's like, oh, we've programmed this thing that looks like a child to right. love unconditionally mm-hmm. and it gets rejected and it doesn't know what to do. And it's like, it's heartbreaking yeah. because it's this little kid and it's Haley Joel Osment and he's right. like so emotional and like you really feel for him. But at the same time, when you look at his actions, yeah, particularly at the very end of the film, which I think a lot of people have kind of misunderstood as being sappy. Mm-hmm. But I think the when you look at it and really think about it, the ending of that movie is actually fucking incredibly dark. Mm. Um, I think that Spielberg maybe comes down more on the side of like a machine will never like actually understand what it means to love selflessly. Um, I don't know. I, I really like when a movie about AI is making me have a hard time deciding if I think the AI it's depicting has personhood. Um, now AI is famously the movie that uh, Stanley Kubrick started and Steven Spielberg picked up the baton on, right? Yes. Nice. Sorry, Alexis, you were saying, uh, I don't know. You know, I guess I just haven't seen enough like AI movies. Like I've seen, I mean, I was literally talking to my sister today about, like, how iRobot just had us all, like, in a... Tr- like, my maybe my family specifically, but, like, had us in a chokehold. We rewatched that movie, like, so many times, like, after it came out. Uh, um, Alexis, on my phone... I was just phone, thinking about, like, how it's... Huh? I have iRobot up on my phone because I watched that on repeat for about three years of my childhood. <laughs> I know, yeah. It was just, like, a, a movie that I kept coming back to, and I, I only saw Ex Machina, like, one time, and so, like, I kind of kind of remember it, but, like, I remember that I thought it was good, but I, like, don't really remember much of the movie. But I was just thinking about how it's... Like, you know, when people aren't being empathetic and when they're doing things that are really cruel, you know, we will call them we'll call their actions inhuman, you know, and Mm -hmm. like what what we consider to be human is just is really boils down to just like having the ability to express empathy. And so sometimes when I watch like the AI movies, it's really easy for me to personify them because at the basics, anytime that they're expressing any type of like empathy, that's, I think, what I really understand to be like human and personable, you know? Yeah, that I mean, I get really sucked into AI really easy. Like, I think I'm I think my me personally, I'm able to really like buy them as people like a lot easier because I think that I really try to boil it down to what human what we consider to be like a human trait kind of thing, you know? Well, that's what I, I what you're touching on is why I quite like AI as a topic to explore in film, because AI movies you know, they're about artificial intelligence are really about what does it mean to be human? Yeah. Which is what, because we have to define film is about. Exactly. It's kind of the good film. It's kind of the perfect genre really, because that's you, if you're going to talk about what is 
intelligence? What is artificial empathy? Is it programming? Is it organic? You have to first define what does it mean? Define your terms. What does it mean to be a human? Real and, quick. Okay. Okay. The Matrix. The Matrix. Just got to throw it out. You're right. That, because, that's a good I one. Mean, and, yeah. and that franchise continues to delve into exactly what yeah. you're talking about. And yes, I know. I'm going to back you up here, Alexis. I know that iRobot is considered like a silly popcorn film. And it is. It's not brilliant, but I quite I like it. And there's, there's a great scene where, hey, we're talking about Alan Tudyk again. He plays Sonny. The, the main robot yeah. in that movie is played by him. And there's a great scene because Will Smith's character is... He had a problem with robots in the past, therefore he doesn't trust them. As he as he says, which quite relates to the film we're going to be talking about, it's just lights and clockwork. There's no soul. And they have to define what a soul is. Yeah. And there's one point he's talking to Sonny, and um, he's talking about, you know, robots cannot be people because can they write a symphony? Can they make a beautiful piece of furniture? Can they make a masterpiece of a painting. And then Sonny goes, can you? And that's, a, that's kind of a valid question <laughs> of it, of human ignorance of what we define to be, as Alexa said, like what is inhuman? Like if you can't do, do those things, you're not human. Well, by that very definition, you, Will Smith, in that film, are not human either. And... It, it, it just kind of raises up those interesting conversations. Now, having said that, uh, a movie that yeah. deals with AI in a way that I am like wholeheartedly behind is James Cameron's Terminator. Oh, <laughs> and Terminator we gonna... Two Salvation yeah. or, ter or Terminator Two Judgment Day. Excuse me. Um, I I'll be honest. I'm terrified of AI. Yeah, personally, and I, I kind of don't agree with Will Smith it. in this notion. Yeah, I don't. Trust yeah. it. In fact, we find ourselves in a... This is why I wanted this to be the topic of today's episode is because it. this is actually... We may look back on this episode years to come and be like, God, if only we knew. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> wouldn't, we wouldn't have empathized with it as a, as a thought exercise. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm personally kind of terrified of, of what it could do. Right now, we find ourselves in a climate where we have chat GPT, right? That's what it's called? Yeah. Uh, so AI is yeah. becoming used more and more. Uh, and we'd like to thank ChatGPT for recording this for episode, episode for us. We actually took this one off. Yeah, these are great uh, copies <laughs> the of our chatbots <laughs> that are doing this. Zooey Mama. That's great. With that AI having a full-blown conversation debating the merit of itself. Talking, oof! Yeah, <laughs> I got chills. Um, I actually didn't like that. Yeah. That creeped me out. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. currently as we speak, we have Boston Dynamics that are making more and more advanced robots. We have the defense industry that is currently making uh, drones that will accompany our uh, fighter jets that use AI. Uh, so it soon AIs will have missiles strapped to them. So uh, and that's that makes me scared because I've seen. Terminator. <laughs> and I know what Skynet's <laughs> going to do. Um, but you no, know, I mean, honestly, AI makes great villains. I mean, that was something we talked about in our last episode with Mission dun, Impossible. Dun, dun, yeah. dun, dun, it's like, dun, is it dun, something dun. we could... One of the most famous... One of the Listen, most the entity's kind of cool, though. No, it is. And, and he throws a good party. One of the... It's a, now it's a real party. One of the most... You might say this party is the party. One of the most famous cinematic AI uh, personalities is... Uh, from 2001 to Space Odyssey. Yeah. Um, 
Hal. Hal. Hal 9000. And that was one of the, I mean, the fucking movies from the 1960s have been telling us, don't do this. Don't do this. This is a bad thing. Or, or uh, Moon, right? Moon. Is a, is a great example. That's AI, right? No, Moon's more about... Uh, Isn't that AI? No. Well, I don't want to spoil Moon, because I feel like well, that's okay. kind of an understated Her. movie. Her? Her is also AI, though. That's right. But that's yeah. like a like more positive thought on the possibilities of AI, I think. Mm. Yeah. I, I, th- I think the other... Like going that they into... would just be above what what we're you know that's the other thing though that I think is really interesting about the AI debate is um, is it possible that the things that we fear about AI are really just the worst things that they yeah. can turn to that are the human programming. Yes. You yes. Know? Like yes. that it's yes. the coding that we are instilling that, exactly. in them. That is what could really fuck things up. And if, and, and, and if that's true, then AI is not really what's scary. It really just is the humans in themselves yeah. that are scary and are going to fuck things up to exactly. transition point. Yeah. Um, Fucking transition point. That's a great <laughs> segue. That's a great segue. Paul Blarge, the mall concierge, coming in on her segue. <laughs> this leads us into 2023's The Creator, directed by Gareth Edwards. Um, wow, that's this, so funny. I wasn't even trying to segue. I was yeah, just, that was great. Was you just, fucking crushed it. Yeah. You fucking crushed that. You, Come on you now. You fell backwards into hey, that. I couldn't do this if it tried. That's how you know this is not chat GPT. They, they could not do that. Um, As a future war between the human race and artificial intelligence rages on, ex-Special Forces agent Joshua is recruited to hunt down and kill the creator, the elusive architect of advanced AI. The creator has advanced a uh, or developed a mysterious weapon that has the power to end the war and all of mankind. As Joshua and his team of elite operatives venture into enemy occupied territory, they soon discover the world ending weapon is actually an AI in the form of a young child. And uh, as I don't know if you said this, but again, we are talking about the creator directed by Gareth Edwards. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. So, okay. So, Alexis, you didn't see this in theaters, correct? I did not see this in theaters. I saw this two, three hours ago. How'd you feel? Yeah. Thoughts? Um, let me. Okay. I have two things to tell you guys. Number one, there was a moment in the first third of the movie where I, the guy, one of the soldiers picks up a puppy and acts like it's going to, he's going to fucking shoot the dog to get these villagers to talk. Mm -hmm. And I shit you not. I got so fucking angry because I thought for a second (laughs) That somehow you guys had duped me into watching another fucking dog die. Oh, there's two scenes. I started crying because I really? was so mad. Wow. Well, you know what Owen Wilson said. And I literally turned Marley. to the side because, like, while this scene's going on, I'm like, no <laughs> fucking way. And I was watching it with my sister and my nephew, who's like eight years old. And then, like, after we realized, like, the dog wasn't going to die and I was, like, already, like, on the edge of tears, like, there was literally, like, a tear coming out of my right eye. I turned to Natalie and she's almost in tears, too, with the thought Jesus. of, like, this dog maybe dying. 
It was not, it was not a great moment. <laughs> wow. I really thought I was going to have to like come down to LA and like fuck you guys up. Don't worry, Alexis. We'll, we'll get you later. In the yeah. We're, we'll, we're going to we'll get you. We're going to get you. We're going to get you. So that was, that I, was point number one. That was point number one. Point number two was that when this movie finished, okay, we were all three of us were crying, right? Yeah. Okay. And then my nephew was like, what happened to the guy? Aww. And I was like, Aww. and I was like, spoiler alert, everybody. I was like, he didn't make it. I'm sorry. He went to heaven. And then I needed to go back and do something on the computer before I left, right? So I go back, but then I can hear him sniffling. My sister had gone to the bathroom. And, like, I'm still, like, on the edge of tears, right? But I can tell that he's still crying on the couch. So I go back, and I'm like, oh, buddy, it's okay. It's going to be okay. It's just a story. And then he, but he's just, like, sobbing. (laughs) This, like, little eight-year-old's, like, sobbing because this man did not make it at the end. I was like, I was like, it's okay, buddy. It was just a story. I know it's really sad, though, but, but you know what? Like, he saved, he saved the little kid, right? And he got to see the person that he loved one last time, right? You know, so it was good. So we're just, like, hugging it out. My sister comes out of the bathroom, and she's like, what's going on? I was like, Natalie, we're a mess. You need to get in here. <laughs> wow. Well, well, that's a that's compliment a, to that's the That's a film. ringing endorsement. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. We, I, all, we all really liked the movie. Nice. Very cool. I, I do have to say, uh, I, I talked about how uh, the two movies that did full-blown make me cry last year were uh anatomy of a fall Mm. and uh the iron claw right uh the creator gets me pretty fucking close yeah (laughs) i and like you know i i I think that i feel like i had more issues with this on a rewatch than i did on my first watch i still like the movie um but i felt like the there's definitely some plot holes but well, uh, more than plot holes, which is not not a term I particularly love. Um, but mm-hmm. you prefer theme holes. I, I don't know if it's like plot holes, but maybe I, like I just prefer where I'm holes. Like, what the fuck is, is even prefer, going on right I just there? I just don't. Holes. Just open yeah, them anyways, up. Go ahead. Um, sorry, I'm getting distracted thinking about holes. Um, holes. Shia oh. LaBeouf. Oh. Holes. Uh, no, so I I think that I'm for, tired of this, Grandpa. <laughs> That's too damn bad. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> but no, I, I I feel like the the first third, maybe the first half drags for me a little bit. Um, I agree. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah, that I wasn't sure I was going to like it until after the first third of the movie. Yeah, I, I think that John David Washington is great in the movie, but his his role is maybe a little underwritten. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. by the time I reached the end, this has taken me on such a journey where I do care about the connection between Joshua and Alfie mm-hmm. that by the time he's sending her out in the little escape pod... Yeah. And she's like putting her hand up against the window. I'm like, that's not going to happen. I, it's yeah. not going to happen, but I'm, I, I'm close. I think that the visceral reaction that my nephew had, who's an eight year old kid, because, you know, there's like there's a lot of movies that we've watched with him. You know, you know, like we love watching movies about romance and things. But, you know, those are none of those things are things that like a kid really has like 
necessarily like a, a concept of in some ways, you know, but they do have a concept of the idea of losing a caregiver. And mm. I think that that emotional connection that they bridged between the two main characters that we follow for the majority of the movement was so well written in emotionally and I guess acted or whatever that it, 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 it fucked that little kid up. <laughs> yeah, well, really quickly, Gareth Edwards talks about in one of the behind-the-scenes videos that John David Washington, who plays Joshua, and Madeline Yuna Voiles, who plays Alfie, uh, the child, uh, were practically mm -hmm. inseparable on set. And there's oh. lots of footage of the two of them just, like, making each other laugh, fucking with each other, just having the best time and Gareth Edwards was like, a lot of what you see in the film is them just immensely being fond of each other. So not it is in the script, but what I think we all um, feel quite strongly is the genuine chemistry that those the two human people element. have. The Fuck human you, element. Fuck you, AI. Um, yeah. Sorry, that's not what the movie's about. Uh, yeah, no, I... This movie... Um, I, I almost want to save this in in case I'm I'm not positive what movie I'm I'm gonna do for my best of the year. Okay, but this movie did make me feel very hopeful for the future of popcorn cinema. Yes, and Hollywood movies because like, and I think you, Alexis, what you were saying about your nephew mm -hmm. really like solidifies that for me. And like, I I think that like good original sci-fi that is approachable for kids is yeah. like really important in yeah. like getting young people excited. Yeah. Jesus, I feel old getting young people excited about the future of the movies and like the movies in general. Yeah. Uh, Cause Mo like, you know, for, for me watching, uh, Inception when it came out. Oh yeah. Was a fucking huge that, that was came mind out blowing. when I was twelve. That was mind blowing. And yeah. was just like fucking huge for me. And like you can you can do this in a movie. Like, look at this is a whole world. And yeah. I, I think that the creator, well, maybe it's not quite as great a film as that. Mm -hmm. Like has that same thing of like just this richness of story yeah. and of its world that it's realized yeah it, i think something you're touching on which is a great point that should people should take notes of is yeah, take notes on the things i say uh, you fucks. the creator and like an example is inception movies that or you know that really work for your nephew alexis and the inception work for you as a kid it worked for me too these are movies that respect the audience the intelligence of the audience that you can't keep up now again inception's you know Far, far more of a more high concept sort of thing than the creator. Um, but there's a reason I picked it to, to talk about. Um, I, again, when I saw this in, in cinema, I was just blown away by the world building. I thought that what it's saying about basically American foreign policy and its drone strike program with the nomad space base basically that will just 
in the movie, the creator is this giant space station that will just hover around various points of new Asia. Uh, and will fire these giant missiles to take out, uh, high value targets. Sounds familiar, right? And, they say in the beginning of the film, there is a general that is saying, make no mistake, we are not at war with New Asia, but basically... The, the AI they harbor. The AI they harbor, which is exactly like the, the terrorists that they harbor, people that have anti-West sentiment, which they even say in this film. And This movie hit very yeah. hard watching it now. Yes. In light of, you know the fucking strikes happening on Palestine. Yeah, from Israel. From Israel the, yeah. yeah, well, from Israel, but... That we are... That we are funding, that we are, we are exactly. culpable for. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like, we, you know, we don't... We, we're not at war with Palestine. We're at war with Hamas. Yeah, we it, just happen to meanwhile, be it's a, wiping out... It's a scorched earth. Yeah, yeah we happen to be doing a genocide. came up... While we were watching the movie, because yeah. my nephew also knows, you know, about Palestine. Yeah. And so he would ask us, like, you know, like, how many people have died? And then, like, when the bombs were going off in the movie, he was like, is this, like, what's happening over there? And we're oh, like, wow. not exactly, but, you know, there are bombs that are going off over there. Smart fucking so. Yeah, this is a kid's got the juice. <laughs> yeah, well, we keep, we keep our kids juiced juice. on the what's going on. Juice. Hell yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> But he can take that <laughs> to the bank. Juice. Um, tell him I said that. Uh, Someone isolate that. Audio. Yeah. yeah. Can you, Alexis? Can you pass on to Natalie that her, that kid, her kid, has kid does the in juice? fact have the juice? Um, <laughs> you know what? I I will let her know. Let um, her know. But yeah, this movie came out uh, uh, amid strikes. Um, happening in our industry with the writer's strike and the actor's strike. We've talked about it to death, but basically uh, AI is encroaching on the good work that hard craftsmen or actors do. And I watched this in a climate where I, uh, where AI is a topic of conversation and that I am worried about it. And this is a film that yeah. has a sympathetic and challenging look into AI. Is it, human is it a being um and it made me cry for these yeah. basically robots these or these simulants as they're called in the film and that is a testament to the movie that it, it really does have something to say it, it is having an intellectual conversation with the audience and well and i i think that it's I, we we touched on this and um Dylan, uh, Dylan Roth, friend of the show of Are You Afraid of the Dark Universe, touched right. on this yes. on our Texas Chainsaw episode. Right. This is a movie that isn't so much concerned with AI as it's actually applied, although there is one element of that that I want to get into that mm -hmm. did kind of ick me out in this movie. Okay. Um, but it's, it's a movie that's about, uh, you know, the systematic othering of yes. a group of people by a state. Um, right. And I, I found that yeah. very powerful. Well, it, I mean, I don't think it's setting in uh, Southeast Asia is a coincidence. No. Because it reminds me a lot of the Vietnam War. And you can just sub out communism with AI. And it's basically the same thing where we just go in napalm the hell out of their communities and their homes and their jungles and their country 
because we're not at war with them as a country or the people. We're simply at war with the specific individuals that are harboring this anti-West view. And yeah. it becomes this when, clusterfuck. Yeah, when you when you go to war with an ideology, yeah. it becomes an excuse yeah. to it's a blanket essentially statement. commit genocide. Yeah, it's a blanket statement of all these people need to be put to death because they don't their inherent existence is a threat. The fact that they exist must cease. And that's how the American government, the American army and, and, and nomad in this movie operate within New Asia. Um, and I just love that there's a, 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 an issue that I have, and this is going to talk about my own political ideologies, but an issue that I have with a lot of films is that so often the heroes at the end, and it's served, it's portrayed and served to the audience as a victory, we save the day, is by them towing the line. Yeah, heroes it, uphold the status quo. Exactly, they uphold, and hey, I love Mission Impossible, but it, uh, sometimes I get a little alienated with the fact that all we're doing is fighting to keep things as they are instead of actually inciting part of, real change. Part of, part of why I like... Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning yes. is Ethan Hawke is he, Ethan Hawke Ethan Hawke wow uh, you know Ethan yeah Hunt. you sit in that I'll sit in it <laughs> I'll sit in it and I'll feel I'll feel that shit um, but no I, I take your he's, point yeah, yeah he's he's, he's uh, at odds with, with the desires of the US government right and like, that's truly why truly at odds as opposed to they just think he's at odds exactly and that's why I really like the creator and I really like Joshua uh, because um, you know, he, he begins by saying, uh, basically like what Will Smith says, it's just lights and clockwork. He says, um, what's he say? It's not real, right? It's yeah. not real. It's not they're real. Not real. They're not dead. It's not real. They're off, which is great because when the human character dies in the back of the truck, uh, she goes, Alfie, Alfie, Alfie goes says off. off. Same thing. Um, that I like how this film goes where you, it is served as a victory to the audience that a massive pillar of the American defense apparatus literally crumbles to earth. And this was something Zach and I watched this and it reminded me a lot. The ending reminds me a lot of independence day <laughs> where you have this massive ship crashing into various parts of the world. And all of these people are coming out cheering for basically liberation the against the, the tyranny. American state. Yeah, and instead of it being some invading army from some distant <laughs> galaxy, it's America. Yeah. And I think in the movie plays it as fuck yeah. Thank God. We what we changed something. It we it was a change for good. Yeah. And and that's what I like about this movie that it has the balls to say that no, our main character is a force of change for the good. Hey, you know what's another uh, sci-fi film that I think does a really good job, uh, you know, critiquing the American military-industrial complex and uh, seeing the, mm. uh, like, U.S. military as, like, the villains against an indigenous population and striking a blow at them is a is a victory for the good uh, captain america winter soldier no it'd be avatar baby oh yeah <laughs> well on. you know something true. that true, true, i true. like about this movie <laughs> is it brings to mind some of my favorite james cameron films terminator and uh avatar, avatar. 
And, but it, sitting, but it, that, sitting how you said it's one of your favorites. I did. Um, <laughs> but it is its own thing. It doesn't feel like it's ripping those films off. You know what I mean? It yeah. doesn't feel like it's copy and pasting. It no. feels like it's a movie that... Uh, it uh, feels like you said Avatar is one of your favorite James Cameron that. films. This and must be Alexis, Chad GPT. How, how are you feeling about Avatar these days? Um, I'm feeling okay. Uh, come I back really to LA. We'll watch it again. We'll watch it again. We'll watch it again. We'll watch it again. <laughs> but, uh, okay. okay. Let's get blued. Okay, yeah, speaking, let's blue ourselves. Speaking of Avatar, <laughs> uh, we have Allison Janney. Okay. Who is basically this film's General Corich. She plays Colonel Howell. That was crazy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Get into it. Yeah. Never seen Allison. Talk about it. I've never seen Allison Janney in such a butch ass role. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, for a second, I was like, I was like, oh my God, is that, is that Allison Janney? And my sister was like, oh my God, it is. I've never seen her with that haircut. And I was all, I know. Oh my God. <laughs> That's your take. Which is so funny because I think I have seen her with that haircut, but she still looked like she's still, I think she was a mom in the other movie. I've seen her in a haircut like well, that. Well, she was so a mom in this one. felt different and she wasn't a raging fucking cunt. So, you know. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> We're all thinking it. Yeah. She just, just said it. something Woo! really special about watching a movie and being like, God, I fucking hate Americans. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, you're absolutely. Just like, Gee. You know, it's just like, it's like, it's like, and, and it's so, the, it's just the finger on the pulse about the willingness, the, 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 the distinctions we want to make between humans and AI when humans themselves are willing to perform insanely inhumane acts yeah. in order to, uh, like put forth like the the survival of humanity you know yeah. like they're willing to go and do the craziest fucking thing to anybody else in yeah. order to say that we belong here um and in doing so basically negate their entire argument for existence well uh, you know what's interesting is that we open the film with an argument that i personally find convincing which she says we're, you know, talking about humans versus AI. The, and she the brings Neanderthals up, she got brings a bad up, rap. Yeah, she brings up the Neanderthals. And basically, she's talking about, you know, the reason that they're not around anymore is because we we killed them. We we made them extinct because, you know, we had more tools. And she said we raped and killed them. Yes, she yeah. did say that. Um, so, yeah, she that's said a, we raped and killed them out of existence. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a bold statement. And she's applying that to we are the Neanderthals and AI are the humans. Therefore, we need to fucking protect ourselves. Otherwise, we are going we're to we're going to be wiped out. We're going to be wiped out. I, I think the which is a Bla Blade Runner kind of touches on that, too. Yes. It's like the the replicates are these the next phase of evolution. evolution. Yeah. Um, and I, it, I just is, felt like I had to throw that in there because we hadn't brought up Blade Runner yet. We should. You're right. Um, but that's, oh, a, that's true. That is I guess an, I have seen more AI movies than I thought. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's amazing what happens. It pops up. It pops up. Um, but that is an inherently and admittedly fascist look at things. And it's, you know, it's already broadcast from the beginning. But, I you know, she does kind of have a point, which is part partly my whole fear of AI. She condenses into that single sentence. 
like she is summarizing why I feel nervous about using AI in real life, not just in the film. It's interesting because my my nervousness mm -hmm. around AI, at least immediately, is kind of Alexis, what you were talking about earlier in like that the thing that we're really afraid about with AI is the worst traits of humanity. Right. Um, Cause like you look yeah. at the concerns that we have working in the film industry about yeah. AI. And it's not that AI wants to come in yeah. and it's, destroy our livelihood. It's, it's how that humans the, want to use it. The capitalist ruling class Which is wants what to Ethan Hunt is fighting in the movie. Yep, Sorry. that's you're goddamn right. Use uh, AI programming yeah. to eradicate our purpose. Yeah, they want yep. to eradicate art and the reason for art as a human expression. Yeah. They want to reduce art to a commodity yeah. through the use of AI. Um or similarly, like another thing that makes me nervous about AI is you look at like uh, facial recognition software that's programmed through AI mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, you find that it has a racial bias yeah. because it's mostly trained on data sets of white faces. So it's better at recognizing mm -hmm. white people. And when you get into like, you know, AI identifying people through you know, like security cam footage to, you know, point someone out for a crime. Yeah. Uh, it's way more likely to get it wrong uh, if it's not a white person. It's a, so in a way, it's a coding error. Yeah. Which in the film, oh. and I love this, is they talk about why are we yeah. against AI? Because the, the movie opens with this nuclear strike against LA that's blamed on, on artificial a, intelligence. That was the first move. Yeah. from AI to start wiping us out as a species. But Har uh, Harun, played by Ken Watanabe, Watanabe! He says... Love that man, he, love that man. He says that that wasn't even us. That was a coding error. That we would never strike yeah. against uh, humanity. Now, of course, you know, we're taking him at his word for it, but that raises a good point. That the worst thing that AI did in this film was on only existed because we fucked up. Or that we we used it wrong, and it's fat again. That's why yeah, I really uh, like this movies because it has these conversations. I uh, so I just remembered another AI movie with our man. I guess not really our man, but with uh fucking uh our girl <laughs> Michelle Monaghan and yeah. Shia LaBeouf, um, Eagle Eye. Um, do you guys remember that movie? I never saw it, but I do remember it coming out. Oh, you never saw it? I, I think that think that also kind of plays on the whole, like, it's uh, AI that, you know, because it has a military function, its programming is becomes so perverted that oh. it kind of has a mind of its own. But in taking the worst traits of who that humanity has instilled within its programming kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I have not seen that, but I've heard love, of it. Love that movie. What? Um, Neither of you have seen that movie. Oh, God damn it! Okay, this is taking this I've is taking me this is taking me 
this is taking me directly back to third grade when my friend Sophia was like, you've got to see Eagle Eye, bro. And I never did. (laughs) I just, I had a flashback. I was transported to a specific living room as you said that to me. Memory unlocked. So if we have anything else to say about AI, I would like to move on to the actual making of the film. We can move on a little. Do you have anything else? Uh, it's not about AI, but I'd like to throw out, since we've talked about the cast a little bit. Okay. I just want to throw a shouts out to Mr. Ralph Innocent, who I am fucking extremely happy to see getting work in a big studio movie. Yeah. Because Ralph Innocent both kind of looks like me if I was old and <laughs> is my boy. Uh <laughs> I love Ralph Innocent. He's fucking great. He's the guy who's the other like military. He's the he plays Colonel Andrews. Yeah, he's the colonel at the end of That's the film. So funny and the beginning because I was when you said he looks kind of like you. I had a vision of that guy, and I was like, I guess it's kind of the only person that yep. could look like that. Yeah. Just see him with facial hair. Yeah. Uh, he's great in The Witch. He's yep. great in The Green Knight. He's got a great voice. I, he's, I fucking love Anderson. He has the best voice in the biz. And I'm so fucking yeah. happy to see him in this big sci-fi movie. I love this guy. I When I first saw the film wow. and he's talking about the mission along with um, Thomas Colonel in. Howell, I remember, and I still kind of was on a rewatch <laughs> being like, look, I know how this movie ends, but... I'm pretty gung-ho for this mission. Like, I'm down. <laughs> and I think a big part of that has to be that it's delivered by Ralph Edison. If he tells me, you know, you know, when he gets down there, the yeah, <laughs> like, he, here's our target package. Like, this whole thing, I'm like, all right, let's fucking do this, Ralph. Okay, I'm down. You're, you're talking at me with a grumble, and I, and I, therefore, I will follow you anywhere. Speaking of Ralph Edison, quick sidebar, uh, since we are out of our Christmas month, but I okay. uh, want to say... Added the Green Knight to the Christmas rotation this year. It's great. What a fun watch at Christmas time. Well, see, I wanted to maybe do that as a Chris Christmas film, but maybe it's it too wasn't. good. It's Listen, too good. We'll talk about what we're doing for the holidays later. Yeah. See, that's it's a little ways out. See, that's cursed in a way that. Well, that we're, anyways, we'll move on. Um, so <laughs> basically, here's <laughs> another big reason why I wanted to talk about the creator. Uh, if you listen to our last episode or our top ten, this is. The creator's nowhere near my top uh, uh, of the uh, of the ten. It is at number ten, and um, it might have been pushed out actually, having now seen uh, poor things. But that's neither here nor there. The creator I wanted to talk about, dedicate an entire episode to, because I think it says a lot about how movies are made. Um, about four. Or five years ago now, I don't quite remember. There was an interview with Ridley Scott. There was a movie that he had just done. It might have been The Last Duel. Maybe it was uh, House of Gucci. I'm not sure. But it it was during a time when, uh, (laughs) unlike now, a lot of Marvel films were being considered very, very, very good. And a lot of famous directors were being asked the obligatory question. And I know it happened with Martin Scorsese. It happened with Steven Spielberg. They're doing these press drunkens. And then they finish the interview by saying, so, uh, you know, Mr. Ridley Scott, um, have you been asked by Marvel or would you agree to direct a Marvel film? And his answer kind of opened my eyes to how 
the current Hollywood machine works in the sense of Star Wars films, Marvel films, the really popular properties, right? His answer was, Mm -hmm. no, I haven't been asked, and they would never ask me because I wouldn't do what I was told. And he goes into, they would hire me to do a superhero film, and they would say, okay, here's the movie, do what you want to do. And I would start making my choices. And then they would go, no, 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 we, it needs to be like this. It needs to be like that. And I would tell the studio, no, fuck off. It's really Scott. He loves the F word. And that's what he actually said in the interview. No, fuck off. Yeah. You hired me to do this. And he says, I you made Blade Runner. I made Alien and I made Gladiator. And you're telling me how to make a stupid fucking comic book movie. Go fuck yourself. That's yeah. why they would never hire me is because I wouldn't listen to them. I would make my film. And that's what happened with with uh, uh, um, Edgar Wright. Yeah, he fell out of Ant Man because he had too much of a voice. And I bring this up because Gareth Edwards, who directed the Creator, directed Godzilla in 2014, and he directed Rogue One, Rogue One, which I watched last night, a Star Wars property by Lucasfilm. I saw that, Zach. And now... Yeah, I did my homework. The reason that he got... I heard you did your homework. The reason that he did these properties was because he made a film in 2010? Uh, Yes, 2010. 2010 called Monsters. Which Mick and I watched today. Which we watched today. And... We did our homework. We did our homework. We Uh, had time to do our homework. We weren't working very much today. So... Basically, what Marvel does, I'm happy for you. <laughs> what Marvel does, and what Star Wars does, is they hire these directors who make a movie that's not necessarily a business hit, but is a critical hit. It's they a critical make an darling. Indie darling. They make an it's, indie darling. That uh, John Watts with Cop Car is right. a really good example of that. And he, then he made this little indie thriller called Cop Car that stars a couple of kids and Kevin Bacon. And then they right. give him Spider-Man. And then they give him Spider-Man, right. And Or uh, the director of, I forget his name, but he directed Chronicle. Oh, yeah, Josh Trank. Which Josh wasn't, Trank. wasn't Marvel Studios, but yeah, but similar no, but thing. But then they give him Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four. You have, there's, there's a whole list of these first-time directors. You also have um, the directors of uh, um, 21 Jump Street, who... Lord Miller, yeah. Lord Miller, and they and then they give him solo, and they get ripped from it, and then Ron Howard has to come in to toe the line, right? So they get these directors who are very talented, and they'll be the first. These studios will be the first ones to tell it to these directors that, hey, look, you you got the juice. We want to have you work on Thor, whatever. I mean, it even happened to Taika Waititi. Yeah, we need you to make. We want you to be our next director, right? And they do that because they prove that they're competent enough to direct a film, but they don't have a leg to stand on in terms of heritage. They don't have a large body of work that have been successful on their own. Therefore, they can tighten that leash and be like, look, the only reason you're here is because we allowed that to happen. Literally, the last Therefore, time, you do what we tell you. The last time Marvel did that was... Uh, the last time Marvel gave a movie to, like, well, actually, no, because they gave Sam Raimi uh, the latest Doctor Strange. But mm-hmm. like before that, I would say the last time they gave an experienced director a movie yeah. was Shane Black with yeah. Iron Man 3. With Iron Man 3, which is then, a pretty good movie. Yeah, and and feels like a Shane Black movie. And I, I feel like that what you're talking about, this is like a thing that bums me out with mm-hmm. a lot of these like promising young directors 
who get snapped up to make a big Marvel or Star Wars yeah. Star Wars picture mm-hmm. is um, they then end up just in the churn mm-hmm. of making franchise movies. Yeah. And they don't... It's the same thing that happened to the guy that's doing the Jurassic Park movies right now. He came out with that uh, Time Machine film with Audrey Plaza. Yeah, and then, Aubrey. Uh, Aubrey Plaza. And it was a great thing. And then now he's stuck doing these Jurassic Park films that are all trash. Yeah. You know, and it's sad. They, they chew up these directors and they spit them out. So... Gareth All Edwards. of this is to say. The reason we're talking about this, Gareth Edwards got spat out, right? He did Rogue One, and people, ah, this is awful. And then the prequels come out, and then Ryan Johnson. I really liked Rogue One, though. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> we look back on Rogue One, and it's one of the better sequels, prequels. I don't think it's very good. Well, it's one of the better ones, though. Let's admit I, yeah, it. I mean, it's not the most phenomenal no. movie you've ever seen, but... It's I would, pretty, I like I would agree story. that Gareth Edwards and Ryan Johnson made are the like best. the two guys who made like interesting movies during Disney yeah. Star Wars. And so basically also you have Diego Luna. He's great. OK, I'm going to just give my quick little blurb on yeah. Rogue One since we're here. Uh, please, please, please. <laughs> first two thirds of that movie. Boring. Uh, don't think it does very good character work. However, you know what Gareth Edwards as a director, and I was noticing this during Monsters, I was watching clips from Godzilla today, and I was noting noticing this during Rogue One. Gareth Edwards is fucking credible at scale and staging an action sequence yep. uh, with, like, big mm-hmm. CG elements. Spectacular. It, yeah. it comes from him, like, he comes from a VFX background. Mm-hmm. He, like, did VFX for some BBC stuff. Uh, and he did the VFX on Monsters. Um, so, like, by the time you get to the third act of Rogue One, and it's like, okay, we're going to stage this battle sequence, it fucking whips. Yeah. That shit's so cool and good. Uh, also, final thought on Rogue One, they don't use Donnie Yen enough. Why isn't Ip Man kicking more ass? Um, Absolutely okay. true. Thank you. Anyway, so he was working on it. So he was working <laughs> on Rogue One, and it doesn't do well. So he moves on. And, and he kind of gets taken off the project because yeah. I think he, the movie he gets did decently. Yeah, but yeah, he. There were extensive reshoots and reshuffling. Yeah, he yeah, did not was, have final cut, as no. yeah, not surprising. Um, but he talks about how so he makes monsters. You know his for his debut feature where he just goes out with a camera and some actors, a limited crew. He shoots on location, and it's a sci-fi film about aliens and monsters. You know, there's this giant infected zone, the danger zone of, of Mexico. Zone. And he shoots Jesus. a shoestring budget feature and it looks pretty damn good. It does. It looks it actually looks pretty, pretty good now. And I feel like in 2010, you yeah. very easily could have shot monsters as like a found footage movie. Yeah. Like a shaky cam movie where you do a little bit of VFX. Very Cloverfield. You, style, you know, yeah. and Cloverfield is also like a solid movie. I don't yeah, want to, yeah. I don't want to throw shade at it. No, I'm not. Um, but he doesn't do that. He like shoots it as like a feature, you yeah. know, narrative film without like that conceit 
to cheat. Yeah. And it, yeah, it looks good. It, it looks really good. And so when he did Godzilla and he did Rogue One, they have this entire process as you typically do. And there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, they do it for a reason. You, you build the world in pre-production. You do all your concept art. You do all of this set design. You do all this set building so that it's all cohesive and you have a language. Then you build the set. And then there's parts of the set that you don't really need. So you can do a giant green screen. That adds cost. That really builds up how much money. So Godzilla had a budget of $160 million. Rogue One had a budget of $220 million. The creator had a budget of a mere $80 million. And yet, it looks as good as, as the best of them. And how they did that was they shot on location. They shot, I think it's for four, I think it's like four or five months. They went and they shot in Cambodia. They shot in Indonesia. They shot in Thailand and they shot in Japan. And, and LA. And LA. So they're shooting on location and they don't have dots attached to actors so that they'll add in, they'll do mocap or anything like that. They shot these sequences with the props on location in the moment. Gareth Edwards is operating the camera himself and in post, they then add all of the glitz and the glam, and they design the world in post-production. They actually designed most of the look of like the, the spaceships, of the giant uh, skyscrapers that you see in these beautiful, wide uh, landscape shots. And they use CGI as basically like a digital matte painting. And that's why it looks so, so good. That's fucking cool. And, right? Yeah. And they have ILM helping so out cool. because of his work on Lucasfilm. And one of the main production designers on this, surprise, surprise, comes from James Cameron's team, who does Avatar. They Hell worked yeah. on the Hell design yeah, of the does. robot. And, Jimmy C, baby. And the crazy <laughs> the crazy thing is some of like the full on droids. <laughs> don't make who, me laugh. I got to be. What? What? I said, don't make me laugh. I have to pee. Oh. <laughs> Do we need a pause? We can take a pee break. Alexis? No. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> Great. All right. Keep going. It's also really cold and I'm wrapped like a burrito. You know, actually, that's why you're cold. I always find that after I urinate, after having to go back, like go really badly, I warm up. Thank you. This is great advice for our listeners. Yes. Um, so, so yes, you had James Cameron's guys. <laughs> so they're working on it, and they, ha you know, they did tests and everything, and they found that you don't need to put like those little markers on your actors, and they can, you can just shoot your talent, and then you can decide in post which one you want to be a simulant or a full-on robot, and that's how they did it, and that's why all of their movement looks so fucking good is because those are actors doing it on the day, interacting with the actual environments. That's why the lighting looks so good is hmm. because it's interacting with the actual light in that environment. And I love, they talk about this in some of the behind the scenes where a movie picks its color palette ahead of time. This movie didn't. There's a lot of orange in the movie, if you've noticed, from the, the, the tracer rounds to the, yeah. to the vehicles. And they found that they did that because when they would shoot on the day, like that first scene where the soldiers are coming out of the, of the beach, of the water onto the beach to perform that assault, it was extremely blue because they were shooting first thing in the morning. And they were like, well, okay, it's really blue out. Um, the tracer should be orange then because of color theory. 
That's so cool. And that's how they pick the colors yeah. of the movies was yeah, because awesome. it reflects the actual world in which they're shooting in. And I think this movie just looks so good. There are so incredible. many shots that uh, you could freeze yeah. frame. Go ahead. Oh, shit. Okay. So when you were talking about how they used uh, like CGI kind of as a digital matte painting to like yeah. enhance and expand a city. Right. I was like, you know what? other movie kind of did that. And I, I don't know what their production process was like. Mm-hmm. I, I doubt it was similar to this because this was kind of innovative. Yeah. Um, but you know, what other movie did this hmm. is Matt Reeves is the Batman where yeah. they shot in Liverpool yeah. and they enhanced the city to like, make it this like expansive metropolis yeah. with Gothic architecture. Cause they were like, okay, we want the real, gothic buildings but we want to build it out with cg yeah do you know the common fucking factor in these two things greg frazier DP. is the dp i wonder if yeah like because i'm i'm guessing that this is this was a, a gareth edwards idea mm-hmm. because he has such a vfx background mm-hmm. but i wonder if um if Greg Frazier kind of brought that notion over to the Batman. Could be, because I know, I mean, he shot Rogue One, Greg Frazier. Yes, yes, he did. That's how they met. I mean, that's a good question. I'm not sure. It, but the funny thing is, we were talking about this before we recorded, something to, to note is, yes, Greg Frazier is one of, the, one of the DPs on this film, but he was having to mostly zoom in because of COVID, because production on Dune Part 2 had to get pushed, so he had to stay in the desert shooting Dune Part 2. It's crazy to me that he was working on Dune Part 2 during COVID, because... No, he was, not during COVID, because of COVID. Oh, because of COVID, it, he was working it, on Dune Part 2. Right. Yes. Because... So then... Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But he had... But Don't get it right. Greg Favre had a big part of... So I wonder... I wonder if... Helping okay, design the world. Okay, I wonder if this was a Fraser idea then, because yeah. I... I know that he he would have worked on the Batman right before this then. Yeah. Because that movie shot during COVID. Probably, actually, yeah. So that timeline works out. And, you know, there's something that you hear a lot of, uh, you know, VFX artists, the special effects artists agree on, is that it looks the best when you marry them for them to complement each other. Like, for example, if you look at, we're talking about beautiful landscape shots that use CGI as a matte painting, Let's take an example of like Wakanda, right? That is a fully CGI city with CGI water, CGI trees, CGI mountains. But they could have, let's say, actually just hired a helicopter, thrown an IMAX camera on it, flown over some sort of city in Africa, and then built on top of it. And I bet you it would have looked about a hundred times better. Yeah, I agree. I I love Black Panther, but my problem with that movie is is largely how the CG functions it's and you know you could argue a problem with that is they just didn't get enough time to work on it which is so often the problem which is why vfx artists are trying to unionize go for it but it the blending of shoot as much as you can practically and then basically doing a fine brush painting in with the cgi and that's when it looks properly good you know i have to give a shout out actually to someone who does that really well is michael bay Part of why, you know, Transformers are not Ambulance? good films. But Ambulance, why anyone? Ambulance? So much of his battle sequences are so good looking is because he insists on using real pyro, 
real effects, and then he blends in the CGI after to work with the actual real-life elements. Alexis, you have something to say? I do actually have something to say, and that is Miyazaki of Studio Ghibli was so... Again, you know, when Pixar was really, really, like, getting... You know, when CGI and like that type of like animation was like really taking off, he was still very adamant about like making all of it like by hand, you know, but starting with I believe it was Princess Mononoke in like the mid to late 90s, he started only adding in just touches of it in order to enhance what was already there and already created. Yeah. using cgi to enhance what was already done by hand and so i really love that that's kind of what gareth edwards is like doing is like taking what is natural and good about film and using cgi to enhance which is what what a a crazy idea (laughs) i i think that that actually connects what you're saying connects really well with what like a lot of people like, you know, talented filmmakers and artists in the film industry have been saying about AI is that if you're using AI as a tool, as -hmm. something to enhance your project, as opposed to something to replace human labor and craftsmanship uh, and creativity, like, it can actually be a real boon. Like, a little behind the scenes thing uh, on the the feature that past and future guest Drew Patterson uh, shot that I worked on uh, audio for. We had fucking terrible lavaliers on this project. Mm-hmm. Um, and broadly, the sound has come out pretty good. But there's one scene where our lead actors dialogue, you can hear it, but there's just like interference And I was talking to a post audio guy who's worked on some big movies who was like, yeah, I I have a a plugin that uses artificial intelligence uh, that can clean up a lot of that issue. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's it's like Mm -hmm. any technology. It can be incredibly helpful if it's not serving malicious capitalist interests yeah if it's serving the artist yeah if it's if it's serving the artist if it, and if it's serving people as opposed to serving you know business and yeah. military interests exactly uh, and uh, yeah that's yeah. that's great and well like we were saying about you know it being used to enhance i mean i think that's why we so often say how is it that movies coming out today look like shit and yet jurassic park and lord of the rings and the matrix look fantastic matrix it's because fantastic. the cgi is hit is not being used to build the scene or the shot it's using it's being used to enhance it after what they've already shot on the day so Anyways, long story short, Gareth Edwards went through the studio system and found that, you know, when you're working on a tight budget, a lot of the problems that you have is you don't have the resources, but you have free reign to figure out how you want to tell your story the way you want to do it. When you go into the studio system, all of those issues of lack of resources no longer exist. That problem isn't an issue anymore. But now you have to answer to the suits, which is its own problem. Yes. Do you guys remember in college when we had to watch that fucking Lars von Trier thing that was the like five on obstructions? The, yeah. Or, 
The five obstructions. Yeah, yeah. sucked, Dookie. Which, you know, f- fuck, fuck, fuck that guy. Fuck that shit. <laughs> but I do love the point that Michelle and some of our other teachers in other ways, like, explain to us is that, like, when you put restrictions on yourself it can actually make you become more creative in order to get around these obstructions let's say that you have and like that whole thing where you're talking about like getting the studios and it's like oh like you can just technically you can make it however you want but actually you can't because now the only obstruction that there is is on your actual creativity yeah yeah exactly i uh this kind of makes me think of a, a filmmaker whose work I generally haven't liked that much, but uh, mm-hmm. there's a story about um, Todd Phillips, who, oh, yeah. uh, when he was making The Hangover, mm-hmm. was like, you know, getting lots of studio notes of like, okay, yeah, you can have this budget, you need to cast x y or z leading man because these uh, actors play in markets and we'll make our yeah, money back and todd phillips was essentially went to the studio and was like give me at home if i can <laughs> this was about to be about sorry. bradley cooper you sorry, piece go of for shit. fuck you jesus oh my god i walked into that wow fuck wow no wow. what wow. was your point zach go ahead wow oh, oh my god Ed Helms is fine. I have no strong feelings. That's Bradley just such Cooper. a weird actor for you to pick as Stop. like, this is your guy, Zach. Because yeah. it's, I think the thing that bothers me is like, it's not fucked up enough for me to be like mad. Yeah. But he has like nowhere near enough juice for it to make any sense. Yeah. Fuck you. Anyway, Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips' whole thing was like, oh. with the hangover, <laughs> what. What amount of money can I make this for where you will let me cast whoever I want? Right. Um, Which is a great thing to say, like, at the the table. Yeah, and they gave him a number, and he was like, okay, I'll make it for that. And he did, and he cast Bradley Cooper. And he so much money. Made an insane amount of money, and he created a movie star. Um, And a franchise. Yeah. Yeah. So, like... Yeah. Yeah, it, it is that thing of like if you can if you can find a way to do what you want yeah. for less money than the studio is willing to give you, yeah. then you gain freedom, which is kind of paradoxical. Yeah. But it, it that's the case and that's it's how really the cre- not. It's just it, how capitalism works. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucked. Yeah, and that's how the creator was well created. Because he applied how he made Monster. Full circle. And he combined it with how his experience that he he gained through the studio system and then combine those two things of having a little bit more resources than, you know, a little shoestring budget. But compared to other big extravaganzas, this was shoestring. And but shooting it on location and he's the one holding the camera. He's the one choosing the shots. And that's. That's how he did it. He combined those two things. Yeah. Uh, I would just like to say, like, I think that because we get, like, you know, indie directors who, like, you know, make a maybe one, two million dollar movie mm-hmm. who then get brought up to make, like, a two hundred million dollar movie. Mm-hmm. We've kind of lost 
something that I really enjoy, which is a good Hollywood journeyman director. Yeah. And what that is, uh, is, you know, if you're if you're a film person, you know about auteur theory, which is like directors who, you know, put their perspective and style on every single movie. And you can always tell that it's them. Um, and, you know, that would be like your Martin Scorsese's, your Steven Spielberg's, um, you know, people like that. But I think just as important to, you know, healthy, good studio blockbuster filmmaking are guys who get to make a cheap movie and then a mid-budget movie. And then they, you know, just make a string of like very solid blockbusters. I think the yeah. a guy I always think about as that type of guy is um, Martin Campbell, who made... Uh, GoldenEye and The Mask of Zorro and uh, Casino Royale. Like, guys who are clearly, like, technically incredible filmmakers Mm -hmm. who don't necessarily have a super distinctive, like, visual style or, like, you know, worldview perspective. And I think... uh, Mm -hmm. I think that Gareth Edwards is one of those guys who, like, I don't necessarily feel like oh i can i can always tell when this is a gareth edwards picture like i don't i don't always think like oh he's he's a great director and i can't see can't wait to see what he's gonna do next right but he is a fucking steady hand Mm -hmm. who has studied his craft and knows how to deliver a very satisfying big budget movie. I think that's important. And I'd yeah. like to see more of that. I agree. I, th- I think the other guy who's good at that, even mm. though I didn't like his last movie is, um, Oh my God. India, James Mangold. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Indiana Jones sucked though. Yeah. Uh, guy, can you imagine if the creator had the budget that that movie had? Uh, I don't think I'd be able to handle how good that movie looks. Yeah. I mean, even Gareth Edwards said that he was embarrassed that he made it for 80 million. Like it didn't need to be that high, and the, and the only reason that it was eighty million was because of COVID. That's crazy. It was it was the COVID department mm-hmm. that really ballooned. That's so fair. <laughs> ballooned the budget. God, I should have been on there. Yeah, honestly, that's so fair. Um. Anyways, uh, this was unless we have anything else. To Alexis, add. any other thoughts? I have no thoughts other than emptying my bladder. All right. So <laughs> fair enough. Thank you for. <laughs> Thank you for hanging in there, Alexis. Uh, this was a fantastic conversation. Um, again, there are some issues I have with the movie, but I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. This movie adds to Ooh. the... Okay, ahead. okay. My last thought, the thing Go for it. that made me, <laughs> made me uncomf uh, in terms of, like, its depiction of AI. The bit oh, where yeah. you see the big, like, Times Square-style digital billboard, and it's like, donate your likeness to AI. Oh, Get right, yeah. scanned. Yeah, that hit a little too close to. Oh yeah, that's what we're dealing with. Background actors yeah. getting scanned so that their likenesses yeah. could be stolen and they wouldn't get paid. That's how like, we're I, dealing with that now. I'm sure that's not intentional, mm-hmm. but the fact that it was a movie distributed by Disney, it just it, that gave me the ick. Um, yeah. Still, a movie I enjoyed a lot and will yeah. continue to enjoy, and we should get for the shelf. 
But Definitely. Yeah, it, it adds to the narrative that I think that 2023 mm. might be the best movie, best year for movies since 2019. Oh, no, 2022. Really? 2022 had more juice, I think. Okay, well, I'll have to think back on that It at year. least had more. Maybe I'm just saying that because it had more horror juice. Might be, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm with Mick on this one. Yeah, I got it. I, I got to reconsider. There were there were a lot of movies I liked in. in I'll reflect on 2022 after we record the Lexus. Listen, the we've got a whole month. To I don't. Think I don't about need this. to reflect on shit. Yeah, she, I know she exactly needs, how I feel. She needs, she needs a toilet bowl right now. <laughs> All right. Um, so that was that was the creator. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on this lovely conversation. Yeah, you can find it on Hulu. Yes. Now, okay. Here's the question. Alexis, yes. do you have your pick for next week? I will make a decision. I will. I will executive decision that I want to think less and laugh more. Um, so we're gonna watch Bottoms. Hell yeah! <laughs> oh, Bottoms. good. Okay, because that's a movie I've been really needing to see. I'm excited about that. Okay, excellent. Yeah, so yeah, 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 we will yeah, be discussing yeah, girls, Bottoms yeah, next girls, week. They them's yeah yeah. <laughs> Nice. It's a film directed by Emma Seligman or Seligman. Not quite sure how you pronounce it, uh, but it stars Rachel Sennett and Ao Edabiri, and uh, Woo. you can find it on uh, MGM Plus apparently. Oh God! Uh, or you can I'm rent fucked. it wherever you rent movies. Isn't what's who's in that Havana? What's her name? Havana Rose? Is it? Oh uh, yeah, Havana Rose Lou. Havana Rose Lou. Fuck it. The, the lavender in our bathroom. She gave that to me. Jesus. All right, we'll get into it fucking next time. You yeah. fucking. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. I gotta pick this up. It's yeah, that I dropped name, that. It's that name you dropped. I, I love how I was like, what, what was your name? Is it Havana? Fuck you. Wow. All right. Wow. Well, everyone, we'll oh see you next god. time. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us at Film Majors Pod on Instagram, Threads, Jesus. Blue Sky, Nick and TikTok. Nick is just dabbing the fuck out. And if you want to shoot us an email, tell us uh, what are some of your favorite cinematic depictions of AI. Uh, you can email us at filmmajorspod at gmail.com. And with that, Alexis is going to go take a piss. Oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs>